Welcome to the C3 Eastern Suburbs podcast. We're glad to have you tune in today and hope this message blesses you. If you'd like to visit, we meet in Glen Innes, Auckland on Sundays at 10am. You can also find us on www.c3easternsuburbs.org.nz. Enjoy the message. Just let him come and love on you right now. just got this incredible sense that God is wanting to tell you at the depth of his love for you that you might be sitting here and wondering if it's actually me if I am able to be loved by God but God loves you as you are and as I was standing here I just had this complete sense of God and his bigness and his grace that he extends to all of us And some of us might look shinier on the outside, but there is no depth that God does not get to. And the shininess does not represent what God can do in a human heart. It just means you can scrub up well. But God loves who you think is the most unlovable, God's grace. And Father, I thank you. I thank you for the presence of your Holy Spirit in this place. It is incredible that you are here, Father God, that you are such a good God. And the word good sounds so bland to describe someone so incredible. But you are good. You are good. And God, we honour you today. We honour you in this house. God, I honour you in this community. Because I know, Father, what you have for this community, what's in your heart for this community is unbelievable. And we are unable to comprehend it now. But God, your bigness will always override our smallness of mind. And God, I thank you for what you will do in this place, in this community, in the hearts of people who need you. God, we call upon your name that you would come and impact us impact those around us, impact those who need the impact of Christ and that we will see your kingdom come in this community. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. It's so good. You almost don't want to disturb it. But God is in everything. So take a seat, everyone. Poor Steph. (laughs) Awkward <laughs> when you're in the midst of worship and God hits you. Um, but God, it's so awesome to see. I love seeing God touching people. And uh, it's so, Jason, what the heck, man? You didn't even tell me you're coming. I might have, like, actually cleaned the house, is pretty much what I was thinking, is I haven't actually cleaned the house and I know he's going to want to come back and see it and I haven't done it. So cross, but thankfully my heart is here with you lot right now. So it's all good. It's all good. Anyway, I'm Scylla, if you don't know me, uh, and um, Glenn and I, we together. Um, Yeah. So this is the last... uh, topic on on our topic of this season at the moment that we're talking about is making room and I got to end it which is exciting yeah so uh, I am am pleasure to be able to do that for you guys key scripture oh yeah let's get into the word come on people key scripture is John 14 and I'm going to read 1 to 6 
Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believed in God, believe also in me. My father's house has how many rooms? One room, two rooms, three Many rooms. That's right, people. We're not talking about a one bed, one bathroom uh, little house here. We're not talking about a one bathroom, three bedroom house. We're talking about many. And I'm thinking ultimate, like, you know, if you're going to bring over your friends, there's loads of space for them to come. Jesus is talking about many rooms. And he says, if it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you may also be where I am. You know the way to the place that I'm going. Now, I love Jesus. I really do. But sometimes he's very deep. And sometimes I think he talks in almost these crazy kind of riddles that you have to really listen intently. Now, Thomas is a guy that's kind of mind-wandered a bit, right? I'm talking about Thomas, one of the disciples, and he's been known to not quite get things. But I love Thomas because when he doesn't get it, he's the first to put his hand up and go, oh, I'm sorry, you didn't quite catch that last point you were making, Jesus. And Thomas goes on to say, Lord, we don't actually know where you're going. I know it's awkward and you've just done this wonderful big speech about how we're going to go to the place that you prepared for us and that you're going to come back, but we're supposed to know where you're going but he actually didn't say where he was going, and I'm the only brave one out of these mugs who's actually brave enough to say, we actually don't know where the place is that you're telling us. Uh, I kind of like Thomas. I think he's a brave guy. But Jesus answered in a really clear-cut way. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You've got to love Jesus. No map, no instructions, no coordinates of where he's going. He does that. So the context of this obviously is that Jesus has gathered his mates and he's trying to download incredibly important bits of information for them to know because he knows that he's about to go to his death. And he's trying to prepare them, get them ready for this thing that is about to turn their lives upside down. He's at the Last Supper. And so Jesus is about to go to the cross. And what I love about Jesus, instead of that pending, oh my goodness, I'm about to have the most incredibly insane death experience, he's actually about comforting his disciples. His heart is always all about them. Guys, I'm going, but where I go, I'm preparing a place for you. You don't need to worry about it because what I've said is true. I will come back for you. He's not, oh, woe is me. This is going to be horrendous, which let's agree, that 99.9% of us would be thinking, if we were about to go for an execution, would we not mostly be thinking about ourselves at that moment? And most of us would understand why we would, but not Jesus. He's always about his guys. He's met with his guys. He's spent time with them. He's inputted to them, and he wants them to know that they have got a place ready. He's getting a place ready for them. So God prepares, always pre-prepares. He's always ahead. Unlike me, I haven't prepped the house for Jason to arrive today. I haven't. I'm not Jesus. But God is way bigger than that and way more awesome than me. He has got many rooms. And in some versions, it talks about mansions. I am so excited about that. I'm like, get the expansion. That is awesome. God is making room for us. And he goes and he prepares a way. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 says that no Eye has seen, no ear has heard, and what no human mind can conceive, the things that God has prepared for those who love him. He's a preparation man, is Jesus. 
And how amazing does it feel when somebody preps a place for you? Okay, so take your minds back to primary school. For some of you, it will take a little longer to get back there. Tick, 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 tick. Go back to primary school. Remember the time when you were allowed a dollar to go and get a scoop of chips at lunchtime? Do you remember when the days when you could actually leave school? You're not allowed to. You have to have passes and all this stuff now. But in the old days, we used to get a dollar and you could go and get a scoop of chips. Remember coming back into the playground? Everyone's looking at you. You've got hot chips. They want them. So what do they do? Squeeze along there. Everyone's suddenly moving their tiny little butts along the rows of seats. You've got multiple places you can choose to sit now because you kind of wander along and go, nah, got my hot chips, smell good. Everyone's, me, me, please sit with me. How good did that feel to be so wanted, even if it was only for your hot chips? <sighs> I love the hot chips time. Uh, how much better is it? To have a place, space made for you even when you don't have hot chips in your hand. How does it make you feel? I want you to tell me. How does it make you feel? Some interaction. Let's wake up. How does it make you feel? Special. What else? You feel good. <laughs> Come on now. And what was wanted? Yes. Someone said loved. All those things. You feel special. You feel welcomed. You feel wanted. You feel loved. That's how we want to make other people feel because that's exactly what Jesus has done for us. Now, <coughs> we've just recently, um, we renovated, right? So you're not, you might have heard that we've renovated. And we had this room and we, well, we had a big room and we renovated it with the mind that we'd have visitors come and stay. But we also renovated it with a mind that would have people who come and pay to stay. So we started getting international students in because, you know, people, when you renovate and you're on a pastor's salary and you started a church, isn't that funny to renovate, start a church and drop to a pastor's salary? All at the same time, so funny. <laughs> it's not funny. So we thought, well, we'll get some international students because it would be such a good cultural, um, you know, crossover. Our kids were learning Mandarin, mostly because they pay a lot of money. And so we, um, so I get this room ready, but the problem is when you renovate, you spend all your money on renovating, you've got no money to actually make the room, like, actually have stuff in it. So for a long time, we just had beanbags. <laughs> we thought, this isn't going to cut it for our international students. We'll probably have to provide some beds. So um, we had to, you know, had to start going around getting beds. We prepared the room. We got beds. You had to get a desk, because these guys... This is, un my kids can't believe this, but these guys go for a holiday to New Zealand every night. They're studying. They're doing maths. They're doing English. And they don't even have their mum and dads telling them to do it. It's just insane, man. So I had to have a desk, a light. And on the day in question when they arrived, it was quite cold. A beautiful Auckland day. It was wet and raining and dark. And um, so I put a hottie in their bed because I'm such a mother. They were coming from summer. I didn't want them to freak out. Um... <coughs> I got everything ready. And why did I do it? Because I wanted them to feel welcome. I wanted them to feel like, oh, this is really comfortable. This is nice. These people are obviously really kind. I mean, these kids were like 12 years old. This is no mean feat for a 12-year-old to come all the way from the other side of the world to our house. They don't know us. They don't speak English. At least I can do is give them a warm hottie. And that, to me, speaks volumes. A warm hottie says, this woman's nice. She thought about us. So we did that. Uh, but it's also similar to our kids. You know when you have a baby or you're getting a child or what have you, 
we usually prepare, right? You're like the first baby. Oh, you're mad as. You're collecting everything possible. Most of the stuff you didn't even need. And by the third child, you've given away half of the stuff because you realise you didn't actually need those nail clippers for babies. You just chewed them off your finger. <laughs> Could never find the nail clippers when I wanted them, huh? It's much easier. Um, and so, yeah, for that first child, that room was looking awesome. The second child, it was still pretty good. By the time Finn came along, it was not even in a room. <laughs> But anyway, so we often liken, like, so what, you're getting ready, right? You're getting my point. I'm prepped for my children until I came pregnant with Finn. He is what we call our unexpected visitor. Now, it's not because I didn't want him. It wasn't because he wasn't planned. Um, we definitely wanted a third child. <laughs> didn't think it was going to be that quick, but anyway. Um, but, but around 28 weeks, he's like, hello, I'm coming. So we were not expecting him at 28 weeks. And we managed to hold him in. <laughs> we. What a joke. We. Oh, there he is. Yeah. We didn't manage to hold him in. I did. Thank you very much. Um, we managed to hold him into 32. But he was seriously unexpected. And to be honest, the room wasn't done. It was in our room for eight months, which actually is kind of a good thing anyway, isn't it really? Let's be honest. Um, so... We, you know, but you, when the unexpected visitor comes, you don't want them to know that they're unexpected. Hey, Jace. So you don't. You don't want to tell them. You don't want to tell, keep telling them how unexpected they are. You're going to pretend that your house, that you could kick the stuff under the, you know, under the bed when they come in. And, and, and you don't go around slamming doors and grumbling under your feet because it was so inconvenient that they turned up today when the house is untidy. It's not. I mean, you are so excited for you coming. Um, but the house is untidy. Um, so you don't do that. Why? Because you want them to feel welcome. You want them to feel like they're absolutely included and you've brought them in in a great big bear hug. Um, so, what, so we want to celebrate the arrival of the unexpected person, but the most thing we want to do is we want to prepare for them ahead of time, before they arrive to us. Now, one day, somebody, like maybe like imagine, like one day on a Sunday, a group of 20 people rock up to this place that we weren't ready for. Oh, you can imagine it. We'd be like, oh, my goodness, and they're trailing three to four kids with them, all of them. Kids' church would be going, oh, no, we weren't ready for them. Uh, the hospital team would be like, we don't have enough plates. We don't have enough um, sausage rolls afterwards. We are having sausage rolls, Harper. She's very happy about that after the service. We won't have it. No, they don't. Do you know what hospital team do? They just go, nah, it's all good. Slip somebody $10, quickly go to the bakery and get some more food. Chuck out some more cups. The guys in here are just throwing out some more chairs. But we can only do that if we have the chairs to put out. Because we have to prepare first. We have to prepare for people to come. Nobody wants to be, oh, this is awkward. We don't have, we'll just have to cut up the brownie to about third slices. So it's just like a little bit. You know, nobody wants that. We want people to feel like they're not an inconvenience. We want them to feel super welcomed. And it's a bit like new church starting. When Glenn and I started this church, we seriously didn't know who would come. And, you know, there were many moments, eh, Steph and Doug, who were here, and uh, how much we panicked that nobody would turn up. It would be just us. Um, but Jesus, the, God sends people. He's the one who sends people. But you know, what else our job? Our job is to make them feel welcomed and like they're part of this place. That is our job. We're here to prepare for them. And we need to prepare ourselves ahead. Um, 
Mark 14, 12 to uh, 16, was on the day of um, the festival. They were going to celebrate the festival of the unleavened bread. And you're like, what is that about? Basically celebrating and remembering when the Israelites left slavery. So um, Jesus says uh, to the the disciples, say to Jesus, where do you want us to go and make preparations for you to eat the Passover? And what I love about this next bit, I think I have quite an over- active imagination so what I see is I see a scene bird's eye view panning down on a big city and then I see um, disciples ninjuring into the city all in black and they're ninjuring they're going over walls they're going under stuff they're ninjuring and they're listening in an earpiece and Jesus is downloading to them and he's saying go into the city and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you follow him say to the owner of the house as he enters the teacher asks, where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large room, furnished and ready. Make preparations there. And then, yeah. That's how I see that. That is such the best verse ever. Seriously, the best verse ever. Mission impossible. Let's find the upper room. I love it. Jesus is so good, mate. He's so funny. I'm sure that's what he was thinking. Um, But of course, all of that is to say that he makes space. He prepared that room ahead of time. I don't know how he did it. Well, I do because he's God. But seriously, that is awesome. He is preparing a place for us. And we need to prepare a place for others to come in this place. We need to create it. It's like a new baby coming. I think Andrew and Fee are about to have a new baby. I don't know where Andrew is now. Where is he, Andy? Where is somewhere? Someone might be upstairs. Up, down, yep, there. Somewhere. Oh, he's over there. He's here. Oh, he's upstairs. Uh, they're preparing. They're getting ready for that new baby coming. And it's exciting for them. And um, oh, that's that pending house guest. We prepare ahead. And um, I think... We have ways we do it, right? We've got set-up teams. We've got um, people that put out chairs. We've got people that do the flags. Hospo. Bless the Hospo team. I mean, they're really such a great team. Seriously. I, I honour the hospitality team because when I walk in here and this place is set up, I just think, I feel so good coming in here. But they came in here when it was cold and dark and to flick on some lights they make and create the atmosphere I just think it's so awesome and I'm a funny person like I'd like to be really hospitable (laughs) I get really panicked I get the house set up but if you come unexpected um I get so stressed about the clean I'm you know like Mary and Martha I'm that one. I'm not at the feet. I'm out cleaning. And I know it's about me and I've got to seriously get better. But I love the hospital team have actually that gift where they're like, nah, it's all good. Hang on, we'll just wipe that off. You sit down here. You'll be right. I'm just, they're just amazing. So go for the hospital team. But we understand that everyone is in different stages and phases of life. And sometimes you can help a lot and sometimes you can't help a much but you can help a little. And what I want to say is never think that we've got this so down pack. I don't know if we've created that illusion yet that we've really got ourselves in control in this church, but never have this illusion that we are so smooth in what we're doing that we do not have room for anyone else. We always have room for other people. And the reason why we have room is that we do not want to kind of um, make people who are doing a lot do a lot for a long time and then they get sick of doing a lot. We want everyone to do a bit so everyone can have a turn and be a part of creating room. And But, you know, everyone's got different stages. Just doing, like, maybe baking once or six weeks or up in kids' church once every six weeks. 
one a morning on a Sunday for an hour is actually not too much. And so we just want to encourage you guys, never think there's not enough room, because there is always room. All you need to do is just check in with us, and we will find you room. Um, We are investing for our next generation. We're investing for the future. Some people built cathedrals over hundreds of years, and the people who started those cathedrals never sat in them. But why did they do it? They, knew, they built it for the rest of other generations that would follow in mind. There's this amazing cathedral. Does anybody know what it is? It was class time. Class time, yes. Oh, Barcelona. Oh, you're such a cute accent. Barcelona. Um, I think I did that really badly, didn't I? Did I? <laughs> for all my people that are on that side of the world, I know I've embarrassed you all. Um, but anyway, this is a crazy place, and it's called... Basakilla. Oh, what? Yeah, that. What Megan said. You know, in sermon prep, you should learn the big words before you do it. Anyway, the guy that actually built this or started it, the architect, he uh, died like he didn't even never saw the completion of it. In fact, it's only just apparently entering into completion stage this like 130 years later. It's insane. But they started building this for the future in mind. And we have to keep building this place, not just for us, but for our future in mind. For the future of people in our community in mind. We're building and making a space for them. We might not be building a physical temple. They built it here in GI for us already. Wasn't that nice? (laughs) Go GI, built in Toyota just for us. I love it. Um, but we're building it for those in the future. And so many people have already invested in this place way before we ever sat in here for our first service. People before us invested, and I honour those people today. But the most important part of this story that I read at the beginning, where Jesus is prepping the disciples for his death, is our friend Thomas being upfront and honest and voicing the fact that he didn't know where Jesus was going and how would he know how to get there. He said, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus created a space for all of us. And whether you know him today or you don't, he has still created a space for us. And he always wants to challenge us with this question, have you got space for me? He wants to challenge us with this question, of what are you going to do with Jesus? And I think the most important thing is the answer that we can give. And you might not, you might already know that answer, and that is awesome. But today you might still be struggling to wonder, what am I going to respond to Jesus? And maybe your life experience hasn't been one of celebration. And I'm so sad that it hasn't been a celebration of your life. But Jesus never intended it not to be that way. He was always about celebrating the individual. He left the 99 sheep to go and get that one. Jesus cares about the one. He cares about you. And today, if that's something you would be interested in doing, then please come and chat with me afterwards. Chat with any of the team here. I would love to pray with you if you want to get to know the Jesus that cares about the one. And the other thing from that story is communion. So if my friends, my hospo friends, could start to give out communion. Mark 14, 22 to 23 says, As they were eating, Jesus took some bread and he blessed it. And then he broke it in pieces and he gave it to his disciples saying, Take this as my body. And then he got the cup and he gave thanks to God for it. And they all thanked him and he said to them, This is my blood 
which confirms the covenant between God and his people. And basically that's just saying that that is God's, he's showing us that he believes in us, that he died on the cross for us. He made the biggest room statement we'll ever, ever, ever know about. He died on a cross for our sins. He made space for us. Communion is about a unique experience between you and God. It's not, about between, it's not about me or Glenn or whoever's around you. It's about you and Jesus. And we're going to give out bread and some juice. And it's symbolism, I know. But it's symbolism for us to keep remembering in the forefront the one who made the biggest gap ever for us. He made the space for us. And I want us to always remember that we are wanting to be a church that opens up doors, will always put out another chair, will scoot over and make space for people because Jesus did it for us. So if you just want to close your eyes and just take this time to think about the one who made this space for you. God, you are incredible. You are so incredible. What you went through to allow space for us to come into your family is beyond our human comprehension. And God, we pray that we will never be so small-minded that we cannot make space for others. Father, we thank you for what you did on that cross. We thank you that you died, but you also rose again. And that means there is always hope in any situation. And God, I pray your hope over these people here, that there is always hope, even in the worst circumstances, you are hope. Jesus' name. Amen. Let's take the bread and wine.